Welcome to the O'Reilly Data Show. I'm your host, Ben Lorica. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to remind our listeners that we do have two event series that they can go and attend and learn more about the topics covered in this podcast. The first one is called the Strata Data Conference, which you can find at strataconf.com. The second one is the Artificial Intelligence Conference, which you can find at the AIConf.com. In this episode of The Data Show, I sat down with two executives of Rockset, a startup focused on building solutions for interactive data science and large-scale live applications. I spoke with Druba Bortakur, co-founder and CTO, and Shruti Bhatt, Senior Vice President of Marketing. So Shruti has an extensive experience as an executive experience on product marketing and marketing at various enterprise software companies and uh, data management companies. Druba, on the other hand, is one of these rock star data engineers. He was engineer number one for HDFS, the Hadoop Distributed File System, as well as creator of RocksDB, an open source embeddable key value store originated by Facebook and now used in many open source projects. So you may actually be using RocksDB under the hood without even knowing it. So we'll be talking about a lot of topics, including uh, what they're doing at Rockset, real-time applications, real-time infrastructure for IoT and 5G moving forward, building data infrastructure in the cloud. And by the way, many of these topics are going to be covered in our uh, really strong data engineering and architecture sessions at the upcoming Strata Data Conference in New York City uh, in September. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Druba Bortakur, co-founder and CTO, and Shruti Bhatt, SVP of Product Management and Marketing, both at Rockset. Welcome to the Data Show. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Ben. Looking at your guys' background, you obviously have long experience in the data management and data space in general, but you come from two different perspectives, it looks like. So Druva is like a veteran of all these kind of high-profile uh, Silicon Valley startups, and Shruti is more of an enterprise perspective. So what brought you two together in terms of uh, starting a company that we can get into? So how did you guys get together as uh, Rockset? Sure. So um, funny story. I was actually at VMware initially for a while where I launched WeSAN. And then I was at another startup called Rovello, which got acquired by Oracle. Now, uh, I was doing some fun things at Oracle, but then, uh, you know, talking to a lot of people, of course, in the data space while I was there, but talking about a lot of AI and IoT and Really, every time we spoke to them, I found that enterprises are still thinking about some very fundamental data challenges. And that's when I met Dhruba. And Dhruba told me about how he's thinking about live data and bringing data to life. And I said, wow, this is what enterprises really need. So, hey, that's how we got together. And uh, Dhruba, right before uh, Rockset, uh, you were kind of the lead person, as far as I can tell, of uh, RocksDB, which uh, for the listeners who don't follow RocksDB, it's kind of blossomed into this uh, embeddable key value store that is being used by many other open source projects. So maybe uh, 
give us a high-level description of RoxDB because I think it's relevant to what we're going to talk about when it comes to Roxet and how exactly RoxDB came about. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I did a lot of work on RoxDB in the very early days and the focus of the RoxDB uh, software was that uh, how can you do very quick queries on a large database? Also, how can you update very fast when there are lots of changes happening to your database? So essentially, it was the backend that we were developing for running, say, the Facebook the newsfeed backend, things where you need very fast latencies for large data sets that is constantly changing. So the focus in the early days were all about how can you, uh, what are the advantages you can get if you run your database on Flash or RAM, or RAM systems? Because at that time, the previous generation software is all running on hard disks and spinning disks. So that's how RocksDB came about. It was basically used at Facebook for doing secondary indexing of a very large social graph. And uh, using some of the backends uh, that we built for RocksDB, we could see that it is great at building like operational applications. Like take, for example, the Facebook spam detection engine that was using RocksDB database to query large sets of mutable data. And like I said, the Facebook newsfeed, which is all about building a recommendation system or a relevance engine to show you the appropriate feeds from your friends and people you like. So was my earlier remark correct as far as you're concerned in that uh, RocksDB seems to be one of these projects that other projects are using? Yes, so RocksDB is a very much an embeddable piece of software. It's a very lightweight piece of data store and the focus is all about performance. Uh, it has less of bells and whistles, which is why you need to put it on a bigger system. It's like the RocksDB is more like a nail and you can, or, or some planks of wood that you can kind of scrabble together and make a big uh, room or the walls of a room, right? So take, for example, RocksDB now is part of MySQL and it's called MyRocks. Similarly, RocksDB is part of Cassandra. It's called Roxandra, I believe. Uh, so it's basically the storage engine of many other distributed systems that's out there. But that wasn't, was that something uh, that you folks anticipated? Uh, I think the, the reason why we started the RocksDB project was before RocksDB, I was contributing quite a bit of code to HBase, uh, which is a Hadoop-backed key value store. And uh, at that time, a lot of uh, data at uh, Facebook started to move from spinning disks to flash storage. And then I, after benchmarking HBase a lot, I figured out that there are certain things that Soft, that existing software at that time did not kind of leverage, especially how flash storage systems work. So RocksDB is built mostly to exploit the hardware difference of flash drives, and that's why it's very powerful when you run RocksDB on RAM and flash systems. So we anticipated it, and we kind of focused mostly on the performance side of things and less on the replication, less of distribution and all those things. So then fast forward to your current company, which is Rockset. And I assume RocksDB and Rockset. So they, they, uh, there must be a RocksDB element to Rockset. But then uh, you folks decided not to go the open source or open core route. So maybe Shruti wisely advised you that it's hard to build an enterprise software company in open source, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually more than that, you know. Um... Today, it's all about SaaS, right? Uh, we are serverless. And when you talk about uh, being serverless, 
what you care about is how quickly can users start using it. And I think open source did a fantastic job in its era of helping users adopt something quickly, get started quickly. And now in the age of SaaS, well, we're doing that by making it very easy just by delivering our software serverlessly. So is it serverless in the sense of Lambda, in the sense that it's like a function as a service almost, like it's uh, very easy to instantiate and all of this? Yeah, yeah so definitely. Yeah. I think, let me take a, uh, take a stab at it to see if I can help answer your question. So if you talk about Lambdas and functions, people mostly relate to code, uh, which is more about software that is running and less of the data. So for Rockset, what you have done is that I think Rockset is one of the first ones or similar to other, maybe Athena or something else, which is all about serverless storage. And it's also a serverless uh, stateful service. So unlike Lambdas, which are very stateless, as Rockset is a stateful service and we maintain state about the data. And uh, we can scale up and down based on your workloads. And uh, you don't have to pre-configure or pre-provision the amount of work that you need to do using Rockset, whether it's queries or whether it's the amount of data. Both of them scale effortlessly. Uh, if you put more data, the scale, the system grows in the back end. And if you make more queries, more CPU gets provisioned for you to query. Do you want to add anything? Should it? No, I think the only other thing I would add is uh, the pricing model also supports that, right? So you only pay for whatever you use. That doesn't mean you have to do any capacity planning uh, ahead of time. It means you just you know, start loading your data into Rockset and you start using it. And I think it all really goes back to ease of use eventually. So let's get to specific use cases for where Rockset's technology shines. So obviously, we there, uh, people have like this uh, explosion of many different data management options that they have that they can mix and match and whatever architecture they decide. But what sort of workloads and problems and use cases is Rockset particularly good at? Yeah, so uh, let me tell you about two big buckets uh, of use cases here. I'll also tell you a little bit more about what it means from an architecture standpoint, because we are serverless, how these use cases are coming to life. Really, the first big one is around real-time applications, right? If you think about um, your business being like a stream of real-time events today, right, it's all about event analytics. So, for example, if you have Kafka, you've set up uh, streaming data now, that might be, you know, um, device data, it might be uh, clickstream data, what have you. But eventually, what you want to do is you want to join that with some other data sets. And that's one of the um, use cases that Rockset really shines at, because now we're talking about very low data latency, and you can start doing SQL instantly without custom data pipelines, right? But also, more importantly, the application can query Rockset right away. So now you're talking about very low query latency and very low data latency. Let me uh, drill down here a little bit. So what you described is obviously super interesting use case. But uh, on the other hand, this is something that people can solve with other technologies in some ways, like open source technology. So I guess what I'm gleaning from your answer is that Rockset actually simplifies this by providing like a unified solution. So you don't have to maintain and mix and match all these different technologies. Uh, yeah, I think there is a basic difference in the software that we have, which is why it's easy for customers to deploy applications very quickly. And the reason is because what we have is that we take in data 
unstructured or semi-structured data, but you can run SQL queries on it without actually giving a schema. So this is tremendous, and it's very different from existing technologies. So all other predated technologies are you put in data, and then you clean it through a set of ETL pipelines, and then you put it in an SQL database to make SQL queries out of it. So for us, we don't need to do that as part of when data comes into our system. We put in data as and when it is coming in in raw form, but your queries, you can make SQL queries as if there's a schema because the system automatically finds out the schema for you. And so you can make just normal standard old or uh, standard SQL to kind of uh, look at your data and you can do any kinds of cleaning or purging at the time of querying the database instead of at right time when the data is coming into your system. So that's the difference. That's why we allow application engineers to query their data immediately because they don't have to wait for data engineers to set up their pipelines and clean the data and do ETLs. Shruti mentioned the world real-time. So in, in the context of Rockset, what sorts of real-time applications are we talking about? Are these dashboards that update in real-time? Real-time learning or online learning for machine learning? So what notion of real-time are we talking about? Or I guess the other popular analytics on real-time would be kind of the trending items, comparison of uh, what's trending now as opposed to what was trending last week, top end, and so on. So what kind of real-time applications are we talking about? Yeah, let me give you a simple example, right? Think about a leaderboard, for example, in a gaming uh, industry. That's real-time. Or think about uh, an IoT application. That's real-time. Think about e-commerce personalization. That's real-time. So those are the kind of real-time applications we see on one side. But on the other side, you kind of hit a very important point, which is where I was going next, which is one category is this real-time application category, but the other category really is around interactive dashboards. Right now, what's different about interactive dashboards, uh, kind of like you mentioned, is that the data coming in may not even be that real-time, but the dashboard itself is more interactive and live and you know you don't really know what kind of drill downs the user might be making and you don't really have time to go you know munch data while the user goes and gets lunch or something the user is actually staring at this uh, dashboard in real time so there are two big categories one is these kind of applications like personalization or leaderboards but the other is really interactive dashboards where hey the data might be sitting in s3 right but then how do you now build an interactive dashboard using data that's sitting in S3? That's the second big category. And what's interesting is because of the way Rockset is built, we're seeing this very interesting dynamic where people are building data APIs for internal consumption, right? So you mentioned um, Lambda, for example. Let me give you one simple example where people are, say, taking transactions uh, that are in DynamoDB and plugging that into Rockset and doing ad hoc analytics in Rockset. Now, you can always use Lambda to query your Rockset and build a front end, but what's really unique is now you're decoupling the data from the API itself. So I have a couple of uh, follow-up questions. The first is interactive dashboards. So usually when to make dashboards interactive in the sense that Trudy described, there's two paths, right? So the first is they scale out uh, and then, uh, I don't know, load in memory, and then it becomes interactive that way. Or I don't know if you uh, folks have been following, but there's also a, a, another group of people who are using hardware acceleration like GPUs to do interactivity. So how are you folks making the dashboards interactive? 
Oh, that's a great question. So our secret sauce is that we essentially index all the data when it comes in. So to differentiate it from pre-existing technologies, most other technologies, uh, what they do is they have some versions of uh, parallelization and full scans, right? Like if you look at Hadoop Hive or if you look at Park or any other system, the whole focus of all those systems is how can I parallelize my query? And each portion of the query runs a sequential scan on some small portion of the database. But Rockset has taken a different approach. Rockset says that, hey, we make queries fast by indexing all the data, which means that if you have records coming in and they're like, let's say each record has 500 columns, we index all the 500 columns. And so now when a query comes in, we can efficiently use the index to give you very low latency queries on your database. We keep the data in the back end. We use, it's a, Rockset is a cloud-based service. So you can download it to your machine or to your own data center, but it allows us to leverage the cloud storage hierarchy. So our hottest data is obviously in RAM, close to where the processors are, but also we keep data in SSDs and disks and finally in S3, which is our persistence layer. So that's the data, that's the data layout, which gives us low latency queries. But then our SQL query engine is also built natively for the cloud which means that when a query comes in, we have code which essentially scales out to more number of CPUs and nodes so that we can parallelize the query and give you results very fast. So another trend that I'm seeing is, so uh, we talked about Lambda, but kind of Lambda as in the serverless sense. And then there's Lambda architecture that people have a, like a love-hate relationship with, right? But now there's a bunch of open source projects that are taking kind of, you know, your data lake might be in uh, S3 or HDFS, and then uh, they're allowing you to do uh, both real-time and batch kind of queries from your data lake. So here, uh, the two projects that come to mind, the one from Uber called Hoodie, and then the new one from Databricks called Delta Lake. So you folks sound like you're also kind of in that space of... Uh, Let's, uh, we don't need the Lambda architecture anymore. Yes, uh, the architecture that we call ourselves is more like the aggregator leaf tailor architecture, which is basically the architecture which lets us do a lot of processing when reads happen. And it is very much architected like a search engine. Our focus on this architecture is low latency queries, whereas the focus of Lambda architecture and other things were all about efficiency and uh, throughput. Whereas the focus of our architecture, which is the aggregator leaf tailor architecture, that is all about low latency queries on large data sets. Uh, so this is the same architecture that we that Facebook uses for some of their pipeline building and big data processing architectures. In, in many ways, then, uh, by using this alternative architecture, you've basically simplified and lowered the operating costs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think in, in my mind, the first generation of all the big data software is all about efficiency and performance and ability to store a lot of data and process them in a batch way. But for us, we want to save developers time. So we are saying that, hey, you can actually do a lot of exploratory queries, do fast queries without any upfront schematization or cleaning or anything else. And this is what adds value to our, our users because they get value right out of the box without having to set up any of these things. So here's the uh, key question for enterprise software startups. And uh, this is where Shruti, I think Shruti probably is guiding you folks in the right direction. So we are in Silicon Valley and you two have worked mostly in Silicon Valley. Is this technology overkill for the average enterprise? In other words, are we building tools for our friends here? <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a great question. The way to think about it is, in fact, let me give a little bit of history. You know, when I was at Oracle, I was talking to a lot of CIOs and everyone was very interested in what can we do with like AI. But eventually, as we started talking to them, it all came down to very basic fundamental data questions, right? Things like, hey, I've just built this data lake. Now, how do I go from there to this very interactive dashboard? I've just deployed Kafka. In fact, people in the Kafka community are telling us that a lot of enterprises have gone through phase one of Kafka, where they've all deployed it and they're collecting real-time data. And now they're asking, what can we do with it? How do we actually generate value from that data? You know, if you just send it to S3, it just stays there, right? How do you actually get value? Well, that's where you start building applications. So the real story is, you know, we're talking to a lot of enterprises who are in kind of this phase. They've just built a data lake. They've just set up Kafka. And now they're building their applications. And that's where Rockset comes into the picture. So I can actually tell you about some of our customers if that's interesting to you. But let me ask you this question. So if I'm an enterprise and I'm in the cloud, and let's say I'm already using whatever is on the cloud, Kinesis, S3, Redshift, can I piece together a solution that lets me do these kind of real-time analytics based on based on the managed services in the cloud? Granted, it's not a unified solution, but is it possible? That's a great question. It, everything is possible, right? With software, everything is possible. Uh, what you would have to do then is just use, A, a lot of different tools, B, a lot of time. Uh, it's really the, um, the amount of time that you invest in setting up your custom pipelines and you know the number of data engineering teams that spend their time on doing things that probably are not the you know, best use of their time, right? They can do a lot more higher value things if they don't have to spend time on what, you know, as Druba was calling it, just schematizing your data, just cleaning your data, just preparing um, everything, setting up your pipelines. So I think that's the real yeah, difference think, here. Uh, the schematizing thing, Druba, is kind of, uh, it sounds too good to be true, man. I know, I know. <laughs> Come on, it's a bunch of log files and you, you're telling me I can query it? No, no, you're absolutely right. I think uh, the the schemaless concept started with like Hive, right? Remember in the back old days, they say, oh, Hive is completely schemaless, right? Uh, but the problem there again was that um, schemaless is very hard to query, right? So people have to do a lot of things at the time of querying the database. So for Rockset, what we have done is we have essentially taken not schemaless, but we have taken semi-structured data, which is mostly JSON, CSVs, or many other custom formats, right? They actually have some sort of schema, but the schema is fluid in the sense not all records are the same schema, right? And then some columns have different values or different types based on different records. So for Rockset, we associate a type, not with a column, but we associate a type with each value in the column, which is big difference. Can you uh, folks play in the whole time series database space? Because that's hot right now. Yeah. No, what, so let me ask you a, a question in reverse. Yeah. So what is a time series database? Time series database, in my mind, is a database which has an index on time, right? It's a database which is customized one index. Then that index, the primary index is time. But the key, the key is the types of queries and questions you ask are very tied to that kind of temporal Exactly. Right. Exactly. And for Rockset, what you have done is that we have made it indexed on many dimensions. So you can do a time series database based on the time index, 
but it would also do, let's say, a zip code based index based on the geographical location of your data set. Or maybe you can do like um, what other indexes. I mean, it basically depends on every column. Every column is indexed now instead of the time column. So what about, and maybe Shruti can answer this, what about the fact that you're not open source at all? I mean, none of the technology is open source. Is that an issue for uh, companies these days? Because it seems like there's a class of enterprise software startups that have an open core, right? So they have some kind of open source version, but then the enterprise version is not open source. Yeah, that's a great question. From a from an adoption standpoint, what we're finding is, look, users really care about how easy is it for them to, you know, try it out, get started. And yes, open source, I think, uh, is very valuable in certain dimensions. But then when you come to uh, the cloud world, when you come to delivering software as a service, we have taken that you know, like easy to use a concept all the way to the extreme and said, well, you don't even have to download, install, try anything that way. You just have to like, you know, get started online, right? So no, from our perspective right now, we're not seeing a lot of issue just given that we're not open source. I think if we were on-prem software, maybe, but because we are 100% cloud, I mean, we're not only cloud native, we are cloud only, right? By the way, as you were saying that, I'm going, oh, of course, there, uh, you know, though one of the main counterexamples to what I just said is Snowflake DB, which is a very successful startup. I don't think they're open source uh, data warehouse in the cloud. On the other hand, I think in their case, they're a data warehouse. They don't need to explain what they're doing. Do you find that you still have to explain uh, what kind of use cases Rockset is good at or how much, how much education do you find yourselves uh, having to do? Yeah, there is a fair amount of that initially. I think, you know, when there's completely new tech, people are always looking at it and saying, what can I do with this? So we do have to explain a little bit, but what's fantastic is that the developers come to us and tell us, hey, given what you're doing, I would absolutely use it this way. And then, you know, people tell us how they're doing uh, exactly the question that you had, right? How are you doing this today? People might talk about how they're doing Kafka plus Elastic and what are the problems they have with it. And then they look at Rockset and say, well, you know, well, Elastic is great for log analytics. If I'm doing event analytics, this is where, you know, Rockset is a better fit. So a lot of times our users, our the developers are telling us some of the use cases that they have. And we absolutely love that. But yes, we do have to do um, some amount of education when there's a completely new tech. You know, we're not replacing one thing. Like you've said, Snowflake is a better data warehouse. In our case, we're not a better blah. We're just a better way of doing something. We're a whole data infrastructure. So um, yeah, you're absolutely right. So uh, Druba, you know, you mentioned that you absolutely can kind of play in the time series database space, particularly... Uh, even real time sounds like a big component of what you're doing. So it seems like that's an area where I'm seeing a lot of startups uh, at least get well funded. I don't know that maybe that means they have revenue. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, is that is that an area that you folks plan to also play in and and start kind of uh, positioning yourself towards, or you're just kind of general purpose? We don't want to focus entirely on a time series database because we also want to focus on real-time live applications that people are building on these streaming data sets. So we want, 
we, we are more general purpose than just a time series database. Take, for example, let's so say, do you think that, uh, so are you folks uh, playing in, so what about just the, uh, the category of analytics? Is that where you belong? Yes, we definitely belong to analytics. We belong to a c- category called operational analytics. It's not, so Hadoop and Hive are all about batch analytics. Kafka and uh, Apache Spark is all about real-time analytics, and we are focused more on operational and live analytics, which is basically no ATLs, no pipelines. You are able to do analytics as soon as the data is assembled and produced. So this is the third step of or the third kind of phase of analytics evolve, evolving, where people want to query their most recent data set, and they also want to come make the queries come back very fast instead of waiting for many minutes or many seconds. And by the way, this space is going to heat up because... One, it seems like IoT is back, and of course, 5G is starting to get rolled out. So I think the combination of those two will make real-time systems be really important to many companies. And by the way, I just want to give a shout-out to another Apache project, which I think Druba might be familiar with, because uh, one of the people involved is a fellow Wisconsin alum, uh, Apache Pulsar. Oh, um, yeah, I know Apache Pulsar, yeah. Yeah, 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 good system, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, and of course, uh, you came from Yahoo, so you might... Uh... Yeah, I know Apache Pulsar. That's, uh, yeah, it uses Apache Bookkeeper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I have really good reviews of that. The other thing I wanted to ask you folks about is cloud for data infrastructure. We did a recent survey, and I forget, I think more than 80% of the respondents said they already had part of their data infrastructure in the cloud, number one. And number two, we found over a third of the people uh, said that they were already using serverless. We listed, I don't know how many serverless options we listed, but uh, yeah, so it's, it seems like while most people are not ready to say that they're going to move to the cloud completely, it seems like, uh, at least for data infrastructure, it's really pointing in that direction. The other thing we found is that a lot of companies actually used multiple cloud providers. They're not all in in one of the public cloud providers. So, so it sounds like you made a concerted decision to go to the cloud from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, for us, I think, or in my mind, I think the new cloud vendors like AWS, Google Cloud, and Azure, these are the new operating systems. Like in the earlier days, there used to be like, HP and IBM and uh, something else where you port your software to all these platforms. Now, it, these are the new operating systems. And I think people will migrate more and more to these systems because they're so much more easier to use and faster to get your work done. So have you lost a deal because you were not on-prem? No. So I think what has happened is that we have talked to certain segments of enterprises. And there is one segment of an enterprise who are very reluctant to move to the cloud is what we have found. And we have, since the time we learned this, we kind of stayed away from that segment of the market just so that we can optimize our time. Of course, you're going to tell us what segment that is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's more like people who have more regulatory financial numbers and stuff like that. But even they will go, but not all not all into the cloud. Part of part of yes, but as a startup at Rockset, we we want to focus on the people who can who are already in the cloud. Like if we go to a person and say, are you already in the cloud? Then you have a great story to explain to him how he can leverage Rockset quickly versus somebody who is thinking of moving to the cloud and then it might take him many months before he can actually move. Here's a, a trick question for you for you to. So cloud, right? So races. I mean, I guess people have overcome kind of the, the reluctance 
uh, of going to the cloud because of security reasons. But of course, now we're operating in an age where data privacy is important. You've got California Consumer Privacy Act, GDPR. Can I use Rockset? And will Rockset help me comply with GDPR? <laughs> can I can I can I uh, can I delete records at will in Rockset? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's a great question, and we hear this a lot. You know, being in the cloud. So uh, the answer is absolutely yes. And you know, we work with customers depending on what they really need. For example, you know, uh, you can do data masking, right? You can say, hey, um, or you can even drop certain fields as the fields come in. You can say, hey, only index certain fields or mask certain fields as they come in so that we only store a hash and then you know it's indexed in a way that even we and nobody can actually uh, see what that data really is uh, and of course everything is fully encrypted at rest so we take you know um, data privacy security very very seriously the funny thing is that you know we talked about the cloud being one of the reasons that people might be worried about putting data in the cloud but we're seeing the flip side of that also, where a lot of customers are already moving to the cloud, right? There's like this um, company-wide mandate, we're moving everything, everything to the cloud. And when that happens, your data infrastructure is forced to move and you're simply not set up like you're on-prem, like if you're using in-memory analytics on-premises, it's incredibly hard to just lift and shift that to the cloud. It's going to be prohibitively expensive to run in-memory analytics, uh, your existing solution as it is in the cloud. And that's where we're actually seeing a lot of momentum. Customers telling us, look, we did the math. Simply doesn't make sense for me to run this in-memory analytics stack uh, in the cloud. I'm looking for a new data infrastructure stack. And that's where we come in. And since we're architected for the cloud, from the ground up, we take data privacy and security very seriously. So do you do you remember Druba? I think it was maybe four or five years ago. There was a set of startups that came out, and I don't think any of them are around anymore. Which basically they said, let's unify basically SQL and search. I don't know exactly what this. You know, it's kind of like bring your data in. It's semi-structured. You can search it, and you can also run SQL. Is this something that you folks are moving towards, or is that you're completely SQL focused? Uh, so that's a great question. Those uh, that was probably around four or five years back. Right? Yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. Happened to some companies. Do you know where these companies landed up? Some of them were acquired, I think. I see. Okay, got it. Yeah, I think our uh, technology is kind of uh, very different because we take an indexing approach to this big data problem. Nobody else has taken this approach at all. I have never heard about any other small st or startups who have said that, hey, we are going to use a key value store to index all your large data sets. And this is the way why we're providing low latency queries. And the other differentiator is that we are a service. So I think a lot of things have changed in the last right. five where uh -huh. people had to, to download or try a new piece of infrastructure. It used to be a lot of work. But now what you've seen, even like bigger size or medium size companies try us try Rockset within a day just because it's very easy to try it out. So one of the big changes is something you were personally involved in, right? Which is basically going from these open source distributed file systems like HDFS to now these object stores in the cloud, right? Yeah. So now it seems like people uh, will just put it in S3. The, uh, you know, with inf uh, the performance is difference is gone with InfiniBand. Exactly, yeah. When we were doing HDFS, like 12 years back, I think it was one of its kind. But now I think S3 is so much better and usable and just 
out there ready to use. Nobody bothers to like install HDFS and run HDFS anymore. Is Rockset something that uh, are you folks mostly going to play in kind of the infrastructure layer? Or are you going to start building some mini apps on top of Rockset? No, I think our goal is to really enable developers to build your applications, right? So at this point, our entire focus is how do we make your data infrastructure so easy, so simple that uh, the only thing the developer is blocked on is really their creativity and not on what their data infrastructure can do. So the answer is no, we're 100% focused on making the infrastructure easy. Well, this has been a great conversation. And uh, thank you, Dhruva and Shruti, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Ben, for having us. As a reminder, many of the topics we covered in this episode are going to be the subject of many, many good sessions on data engineering and architecture at the upcoming Strata Data Conference in New York City this September. You can follow Druba and Shruti on Twitter at Druba underscore rocks and at ShrutiBot, respectively. Thanks for joining us. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn.com or SoundCloud or Spotify and never miss an episode.